Istanbul 74 presents How Can We All Make It Into the Future? 74 podcast series. On the podcast, we discuss the global pandemic we're currently facing and how it'll reshape our reality and society with opinion leaders and creative minds from all over the world. Let's explore together what the future might bring for us. Okay, hi everyone. This is Ivan Olita. I'm connected with Chiara Clemente. Hi, Chiara. Hi, how are you? Good, and you? Pretty good. Um, I guess they summoned up together to talk about how can we all make it into the future. Um, uh, we are two filmmakers. Um, we, we mostly do documentary, but do you consider yourself a documentary filmmaker or do you consider yourself a filmmaker? I consider myself a filmmaker, truthfully. Um because I love to tell stories and I do that through what traditionally now we call documentary. But then if I were to even extend that, I'd say I really make portraits. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're storytellers and um, it, it's about tapping into uh, stories or people. We actually, we can talk about it later, but we tap more usually into people. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, confine myself to documentary filmmaker. I think I have a long way to go and potentially explore uh, the narrative, <laughs> uh, animation, and uh, you know a lot of other different ventures. Um, so they called us as filmmakers, I guess, to try and see uh, what's going to happen of the world. How are we going to approach it? And in general. Um, to share our experiences as filmmakers. Uh, what does it mean to us and how did we get here? And what do we think um, of the industry? How, how is the industry gonna evolve in the future given the times we're living in, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say, let's go into this mm -hmm. and let's try to um, explain ourselves uh, to the audience and maybe make it in an interesting way so that they can feel compelled. Sounds great. Um, how did you start filmmaking? How did I start? Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying that um, my passion for filmmaking started very early on in my childhood, but it was really the love of telling stories. My grandfather was an amazing storyteller and I spent a lot of time with him as a young child. And he would, it really started as simple as just bedtime stories. And that started having me think about stories and so I started writing them down and then from there though I realized I wanted to tell it in a more visual way um, and so at 13 I got my first video camera and just started filming everything around me um, so that was really the first seed where it started um, to, and then obviously it evolved in many ways and I went to film school and then went to Italy from New York where I was where I grew up um, and started making I guess their documentaries portraits and mainly an artist to begin with how about yourself um, I I started in a in a, in a very unconventional way because uh, when I was a teenager I started being a model and then that brought me to work on TV as a TV host and that brought me to uh, create little formats after uh, I moved to the US from Italy in where I would host um, some sort of reportages. And I guess the, just being in touch with um, a, a production system 
uh, from when I was young and then creating my own production system, um, you know, for brands um, brought me to the idea that I could uh, tell stories in, in the way that I wanted rather than just host mm -hmm. uh, a set that someone else constructed for me. It's a very unusual uh, path, I think. And in a way, though, I believe that every filmmaker has its own path. And people assume that you have to go to film school. But I mean, it probably is great. Sometimes I miss I, I, you know, the experience. But I do believe that most of the people I talk to that are filmmakers, they became filmmakers for very different reasons. And, you know, in your case, it's, it's your grandfather that inspired you. In my case, I guess I've studied fine art and then um, I, I worked in media. So that gave me a, uh, some sort of a push. But ultimately, as you said, it, it's, it's, it's always about telling stories or uh, feeling um, a sort of a, of a need to explore more, right? Yeah. That, that's a big part for me as well, like exploring or, or curiosity, really. I think that's, that's the main the main deal for me yeah being very curious no and i agree and i think human curiosity i guess in my films is, is especially something i focus on which i find also in yours you definitely uh you know talk about or the subject matter is really about people telling their own stories i mean it keeps i guess the evolution of the storytelling <laughs> goes throughout the work um but i agree with you even that that I don't believe you have to go to film school. You know, I did because I learned early on that that's what I wanted to do was make films. So straight out of high school, I kind of escaped to the West Coast and got that hands-on experience, which was quite amazing. But there's so many ways to get there. Um, and especially today, I think it's interesting to think of today, now for many years, I guess, the tools that are at hand are now so much more accessible for people to be able to make films. Um, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, today you could literally learn everything online. So um, I, I, what I miss, um, I mean, I've, I've never been, so I don't know what, what's going on in there, but I think I would have loved maybe a more academic education in terms of uh, what films to watch. Because mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I, I was not like a, a film, how do you call them? Film buff. A film, geek, a film. film buff. Uh, yeah, I was not. Yeah, you see, I was not a film buff. Like I, I, I would never sit down and watch movies and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and sometimes I miss um, that kind of. Um, you know, I was kind of more hands-on. I would do things. I had experiences. I, I worked from since I was like sixteen, and but I, I don't have that cultural. I had to create it later, so to say. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think maybe in film school they would have provided me with more of that. Uh, in fact, now I just go to festivals like an obsessed person, you know, because at least I can condense the experience. Yeah. And so I go for a week and then I watch 12 movies a day and then I feel I'm okay for the year. You know, I can't, not that I don't watch them anymore, but at least I got the situation. I got the, 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 the what's the zeitgeist of the, of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, another important element is um, once you realize that you want to be a filmmaker is how you're going to do it, which we said it's easier to do without a, you know, necessary and academic background, but uh, with who do you want to do it? Um, who are the people that are eventually going to help you? And I think it's, it's fair to say that filmmaking is a very communal effort. Do you agree? Yeah, with it's me? an like extremely, really do it no, it's ourselves. an extremely collaborative 
you know, art forum. I think that's a huge kind of part of it for, you know, and you can start. And I think the best way to learn perhaps is to learn each thing about it, to learn to film yourself, to learn to edit, you know, to learn all the different parts that come into it. But then I think the magic really happens when you can really build that team and together you create, you know, your work, your films, and it becomes an extension. Your vision becomes affected and influenced by all these people you work with. Um, and over time, it's so great to create, you know, to have those connections um, that, that you keep. I think it's um, very true what you said. Um, I agree. And sometimes, um, you know, when, when you work and, and you feel that the, the best people are the people that did it all, yeah. you know, because I think as a producer, you need to understand the director's perspective. As a director, you need to understand the producer's perspective. Um, as a DP, you need to understand, obviously, uh, the directorial perspective. Uh, but as a director, you need to understand what are the challenges, you know, for the DP. So um, it's a sort of a professional empathy, mm -hmm. so to speak. No, you, you can feel what are the struggles and also like cheer for the achievements of the people that are part of the of the crew. And also be mindful of money. Yes. Um, I believe a lot of directors sometimes they, they don't have a production background, and so they're they're a bit entitled in terms of. Uh, well, I mean, if they can afford to, to 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 be so, of course. But when you start, I think you should be very um, mindful of the impact that your decision has on a budget. Yeah, um, that makes you a. Um, I think a very valid director, if, if you're aware of, of uh, what are the constraints of, of, of money and how you can use it. And, and also if you're able to do things with less money, um, especially now, I think, and we can talk about yeah. it later, but there's gonna be a shift in the industry. Um, and you know this will impact, uh, I think, how we're gonna go about our stuff. But another element is not only the team, it's also the, the subjects. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about that? What drives you into your subjects and why? Well, I think, you know, again, I love to tell human stories. And I think, you know, if we go think about the classic documentary, I think there's two ways to you know, approach it. The subject matter or the cause or perhaps the bigger picture story, uh, which can be driven then also by the subjects that are in it. But for me, it's really, I love to tell people stories and I love to facilitate their own way of telling their stories. So, you know, creating that connection with the person and allowing them to open up and really get, you know, from the more well-known people to someone who might not be known at all, but has an amazing story to tell, to really have them share that experience and share what they've gone through. Um, I think, you know, going back to my childhood, that's one thing I didn't touch on that, you know, growing up with an artist father who was doing portraits all the time and having really kind of very interesting people around kind of chatting and, and speaking and, and without realizing it because I was so young, I was absorbing the ability to listen, to be a great listener. And for me to tell compelling documentary portraits, you have to be a great listener. Because if you can achieve the feeling of listening, not the feeling, but actually listening, your subject will open up and that's when the magic happens. Um, so that's kind of where I feel like, you know, my strength lies. And then how I, you know, pick my subjects in very different ways. You know, sometimes if it's more of the series, like the film series I do, 
then it's wanting to tell a story of a group of people that might represent different things, like different uh, people in, in arts. I mean, I do think that the creative mind is obviously something I really am intrigued in and I often tell or want to tell. Um, but I think everyone has a story to tell and I'd love to hear that from you. I mean, you do so many different types of subjects. I feel like if you can dig in, you can have a great story from all sorts of people and the one that you less, least expect could be the one that are, you know, the strongest. Yeah, I think th this is a, an interesting point that we, you know, when we chatted on the phone, we, we went through and we were discussing on, on how you're kind of fascinated by, by creative characters because, um, you know, they inspire you. And sometimes uh, I go to uh, people that are kind of uh, at the verge of uh, geographical or, or, or social um, maps, right? Um, and then I've started with, with Werner Herzog. He has this uh, sort of seminar in where he calls, you know, 50 filmmakers. He does it mm -hmm. every year, maybe every two, three years. It really depends on, on whatever it's his deal. And it's very interesting because, uh, and I'll reconnect this thought with what we were talking about, but basically he says that um, uh, facts are different than truth in filmmaking. So uh, I was, you know, b before meeting him, I was obsessed with the idea of facts, of, of having to render in, in films, uh, facts as they are. Um, but now I'm not, uh, and this is because he taught me that basically um, facts uh, are not necessarily what uh, the audience goes for. Uh, he says, otherwise, you know, um, the, the phone uh, directory would be very interesting. <laughs> so great. Um, but what he says is basically, there is a, a, a deeper truth, which he calls ecstatic truth to filmmaking. And that kind of truth can be only fabricated um, because it, it, it uh, taps into something that is more complex than, than what you could see, mm -hmm. right? Um, there is this quote from The Little Prince, I guess, uh, it could be kind of relatable. But the, the idea is that you need to fabricate this truth. And in order to do so, uh, sometimes I think, and I'm reconnecting myself with what you, you just said, uh, you need to tap into your subject and help them tell a story that they're mm -hmm. not aware of. Now, it depends. Uh, sometimes there are subjects that are very aware of their story, um, AKA celebrities or, you know, uh, uh, accomplished people. Uh, artists or people that have a public yes. narrative, let's just say it like that. So th these people are very aware of their stories. And so uh, it, as filmmakers, if we are interested in, in something else that to us represents the deeper truth, then we need to shift their public rehearsed story and uh, help them get to a place that we believe is, is worth mm -hmm. telling. Um, and this is with people that are kind of known, so to speak, or they have a public narrative. With people that don't have a public narrative, and oftentimes, you know, I do both, but oftentimes I, I literally go to the, some weird place in, in, in oh. Bolivia, like in the desert, and you know, there's three people like in the whole community. They're not aware of what 
they represent uh, in the world at large, because their world is smaller. So they're aware of their inner dimension, they're aware of, of, of what is their impact in, in their community, but they, they're not aware maybe sometimes of the poetry of, of what they represent in a larger system. And so in that case, I need to fabricate the narrative for them um, in order for the truth of what I believe is the truth to shine. Uh, and mind you, I, I would never, you know, uh, fake it. I would never fake um, a, a character, but I can take someone who's real and and just enhance the the elements that I believe would help uh, put him in a in a more mm -hmm. in a truer light to what he represents. Um, and I don't feel guilty because of that. Uh, quite the contrary, I, I feel it, it's it's. Um, it's a craft. I'm, I'm crafting the character and I, and I just want to empower them. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, but I think there's different challenges. I mean, we uh, talked about too, the, you know, the different challenges of you think, oh, well, you get that person who's so used to telling their stories or being in front of the camera. Oh, that'll be easier. No, I find that harder. I mean, I, with those people, for me, you need to have the time to break past that rehearsed you know, spiel they have or to break past what they're mm -hmm. used to sharing to get that deeper truth you're talking about. And and I think that's a, can be really hard. But then when you get there, it's beautiful and you see it open up. And then I think in the same vein, you know, the challenge of someone who's not used to being from the camera, it's all about like trying to make the cameras disappeared. And, and there we talk about the team and the team you have with you needs to facilitate that so that the person can really feel like they're sharing their experience with you. And it's not like there's this, you know, barrier of the camera or the lens that is making them uncomfortable. Um, and so I think it's, yeah. And also there's there's kind of a relationship that yes. arises, no? With, um, with, I mean, I guess in both scenarios, not only with, with uh, people that have a public narrative. And I guess there's always this sort of, don't you think that, that there's some sort of magic that that uh, happens and I do feel very connected to yes. them while I'm filming and then they kind of they, they kind of it, it, they detach from me and they and they end up in the in the film and then I package the film and then I polish it and then I put the music on it and then it's it's a little product and I'm, I'm done so to speak and they're done but while you're filming if, if you establish this connection that you're talking about uh, you do feel almost mm -hmm. dangerously close to yes, people, for sure. right? Like there's a sort of a crazy trust, uh, but oftentimes it, it doesn't go, I don't know, like I, I would be curious to hear uh, mm -hmm. your experience, but for me, it doesn't go past the, the filming. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, it, the trust is there. We built it. We, we expressed it. We consumed it. And it's it's in it's all in the product. It's it's gone. It's it's not for me to use in my personal life. I don't know. For example, with your documentary, our city dreams, you you were with these amazing artists for so long. I don't know if then you 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 kept the relationship or if you agree with what I'm saying. What's your experience in that? Because I feel like it consumes while filming happens, and then it's kind yeah. Of I think it you know depends you. on each person and, and the story and the time I spend with them. Um, I do think I always say that each person I film and uh, you know I, I get to have that conversation, tell the story. I think each person plays a part in my own story. 
they add something to my story and to my life. Mm, um, mm. And again, it could be the most obscure person, a small piece to a very big kind of known person, but they all play a part in my own story in life. And so in that way, I think they remain with me, perhaps not physically, but but actually just kind of within me and within my experience and what I've learned and my art form and adding to that. Um, but, you know, some people I remain, I mean, I do really enter people's lives, you know, sometimes for much longer, sometimes for a very kind of, you know, short amount of time. But the connection I feel does last longer than the film. Um, sometimes we would just remain in touch and we might see each other. And sometimes it might just be kind of just being aware but I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. It's also a line to cross. You know, do you cross the line? Do you go past the film? Um, and I think it it really depends on the subject. You know, some are more open to that. I'm more open to some people. So I think it really depends. But it is interesting what you're saying that it is also with films in general. Like you put so much love, passion, creativity, time. You know, and then when you're done, it's almost like you close that chapter and you move on to the next. And emotionally, it's like a starting over. And I don't, I'd love to ask you about that. Like, for me, every time I start a new film, it's almost like starting from scratch, even though I might have had all these experiences, had the confidence once I'm doing them. It's almost like you have to have the vulnerability to find your next story and your next subject and, and, start fresh each time. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like it's a continuation that you just keep growing or, or do you need to reset before you tell your next story? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the, the more you go, the, the Yeah, I agree, I agree. You almost become more critical. It's so interesting. And, and you know, in Our City Dreams, actually Gata Amir yeah. said this. Uh, she had said, you know, I'd asked her like, well, with every show, you must be more confident, be less nervous. She's like, no, every show that I get, I get less confident away and more critical and so more nervous, but that made it deeper because you care yeah. more about what you're making. And, and I've been feeling this in my own life through my, you know, through all the years I've been working. So it's great to hear you have the same feeling. <laughs> no, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a both of a combination of uh, the, uh, you know, the fact that yes. we need to evolve, right, as, as creators. So first of all, there's that. You need to evolve. So, uh, I mean, then also we were saying how you had a weird evolution in, in a way because you started with a, you know, feature film mm -hmm. and then um, you yes, went exactly. into shorts, right, which is usually people do the opposite. So that also would be interesting to hear from you. In my case, I, I don't have a feature yet. So the idea is I've been doing a lot of shorts and I had some very, very productive years in where I would literally shoot all time, all day and, and, you know, release so many stories and it's so amazing. Um, so happy about it. But now it, it's, it's not that I don't want to do it. I'm, but for so long, like, because oh they're usually God. based on traveling to remote places. So I'm kind of impaired, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a point in where, I do want to, and actually I'm, I'm writing something long now. Um, I do want to do something longer. Uh, but even, even in terms of, of, of something short, then you want to just experiment or without losing myself. But basically to answer your question, I think there's two instances. First instance, it's a continuation. If you're kind of uh, investigating a, a specific uh, field, I wouldn't say a subject, but you, know, you are into X, Y, Z. 
uh, I, for example, was for a moment, although all my films have this kind of um, angle, but right. into rituals. I, I liked the idea of rituals. So I, I, I started in, to go around and find things that had to do with rituals. And, you know, it was very um, wide as a net. Everything could kind of fit into the ritual element. So great, you know, and, and it's kind of you're just building yourself uh, some knowledge about whatever you're researching. So in that sense, sometimes it's a continuation, but then if we go bird eye view on, on everything you did, again, we go back to what we were talking about earlier, the evolution. And when it's an evolution, it's less of a continuation and it's more of an evolution. And so in that case, it becomes more difficult. So when you're continuing something that you, you set your mind to, to, to you know, analyze, it's kind of easier because you're like, oh, okay, I did this, I did that. Now I'm missing this. It's you're you're thirsty for knowledge of some sort but when you need to evolve mm -hmm. that's yeah. more difficult and critical because where are you going to evolve how are you going to evolve what does it mean to evolve like you're teaching me for you evolution was to go from long to short for someone else is to go from short to long uh for maybe someone else is like to become uh, better skilled at the technology uh, which is something mm -hmm. we can talk about that comes with filmmaking for maybe another person is to be less skilled right. because they want to strip down and and go back to shoot by themselves so i think that's where the, the criticality of, of of it all comes in and it's it's basically how do you want to evolve mm. as as a creator and that becomes um yeah know, a, bit, a bit tougher i guess uh also because usually you spend more time right you're like okay mm -mm -mm. except you you spend Less time because you don't well, you know, so tell me about that. less time short is interesting because obviously our city dreams was five years of my life. I filmed with these artists for two years in their life. I always said I was a doctor on call, so I would find out about something. I'd fly to the place or I'd get to the artist and capture it. So it was really like talk about invested in their lives, in five lives. Um, but then the short con, you know, the short format started intriguing me after that because it was kind of more gratifying to get, you know, this, these films in a shorter uh, amount of time. But over all the years that I've been doing short content, I found that it's almost more work. Like the amount of work you have to put into a short piece is maybe not the um, same amount of years which you put in a feature or five years as I did in Our City Dreams, but you are, you need those exact same tools and sometimes I feel like almost more footage, again, not perhaps the amount of footage because it's a longer format, but the different types of footage to tell a compelling, complete story in a short format. So it's been interesting because I've now returned, I feel like I've kind of come full cycle where I'm craving to go back to telling that longer story because I'm ready to kind of have that journey, which is a bit more extended and not as fragmented. I think and you might feel this too, but the short pieces, it's like you're full on, you're in that moment. You know, it might be a couple months, it could be a couple weeks, but and then it's done. And then you're on to the next and it can go back to back to back. And then creatively, I've, you can get to a place where you feel like you're really strung out. And, and then you have to like kind of reset, refine yourself and keep going. Um, so I find I'm really in that place where... Mm -hmm you know, kind of craving the length of time to build something, craving a little more space, you know, and connection perhaps to the subject. I've also started now, I'm in development for my next feature portrait documentary as well. Um, and I'm really, you know, this, this time we're living in, which is quite hard and 
horrible and, and the hardest part I think is not knowing when it will end. But in a way it's made me have to like settle down and not, you know, maybe pre, you know, jump on that next plane or jump on that next project or, or, you know, go and build something else. And, and it's made me kind of have to slow down and try to spend that time on building slowly my next feature. Um, and in that way, you know, the silver lining everyone keeps talking about, but it's, it is, you know, I think we live in a time before this where ambition plays such a big part in all our lives, you know, especially living in New York and in LA, maybe a little less so in Italy, we, we talked about it, <laughs> but, you know, it's like we're, we're driven by that to, to do as much as we can and to work and, and meet people and, and grow and, you know, become more successful. But here we are having to have no choice but to slow down and to stop and to, you know, look at what we're doing. And I've it's taken some time. I do have two kids, so time is a bit more limited. But it's I'm, I'm finding kind of <laughs> things that I'm really passionate about, like I'm looking to do a book, an uh, illustrated book with the collaborator that I'm doing a film with and to go back to a project I did in film and create kind of a website for it with stories that might be told more in interview style uh, with text and photos, things that I've always kind of had in the back of my head, but never had the time. And here I am kind of having the time and having to, in a way, focus on the thing I'm most passionate about. And, and for you, I'm curious, because you, you even more so with your work, jump, you know, and go and you say you travel with just a suitcase, you know, to go to your next destination to film. Like, how has that affected you? Has it been frustrating or have you also found some kind of, you know, silver lining in all of this? Yeah, it's interesting because for real in, in the past, I guess, um, not kidding you, well, maybe 10, 8, 9, I don't know. Literally, I've, I've, I've. I haven't been in a yeah, place wow. for more than three weeks, maybe a month maximum. And uh, <laughs> suitcase is still a suitcase, thankfully. <laughs> I don't like to buy things because I don't like to own a lot of things. It, it weighs, me, weighs me down mentally. Um, it's, it's kind of a, an, a, an oh, escape from something <laughs> psychologically. I'm aware hey, of If that, it works, stick like to it. <laughs> so, not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but, um, but I haven't, you know, here's the thing I believe because, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier with, with Isaac that is here listening to us, uh, silently, but, uh, because it's such a thing that is global yeah. and no one else can do anything about it. You know, I don't think, uh, I feel any pressure. Actually, yeah. I feel less pressure and I mean, this is not to say that it, it's it, it's great to keep ourselves busy, and I think it's great to work, you know, on on whatever we do, on 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 our um, projects and etc. And it's also work, and it's also good to to share uh, as as we're doing now, and and you know, kind of mm -hmm. find each other as a community in general. Uh, but I, for example, I don't like very much this. Uh, I I would call it Corona content, so to speak, like um, in where. Uh, you know, people just try so hard to do something and, and put it out as soon as possible and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that, no. And, and also, I didn't feel the pressure because once again, yeah. we are all in, in this. And um, I think it's, it's kind of great. I mean, of course, I miss traveling. Of course, I miss, um, 
you know, working on crazy productions and tight uh, deadlines. But as you said, it's it's uh, it's a good moment. I feel almost uh, uh, for me personally, it was a mm-hmm. fortunate moment to allow me to slow down and do the things uh, that you're talking about. So. Um, yeah, I was able to handle it pretty well. I wouldn't handle it pretty well if it, say, was just affecting, you know, uh, one side of the world or this side of the world. And then, you know, if, if I, that would kind of probably put me in a panic mode. Mm-hmm. But because we are all in this together, I think it, it, it's good to just acknowledge that it's yeah. literally the universe. Slow down. Just, Slow down. Just, you know, sure. chill out one second. And yeah, and... Um, and just take care, you know? So Great. I've been writing yeah. actually a narrative yeah. feature, not a docu one. Mm. And it's also very, very interesting. I, I, and to, to you know, uh, mirror what you were saying, such yeah. a different um, process, you know? Such a different process. And it's so long, but it's okay. Like before I would have been a bit freaked out by the length uh, and just by the endless amount of, revisions and going back to it and thinking about it and waking up and thinking about it and you know because when you do something short is is uh, yes. you're very intensely yeah. connected to it but then as you said it's gone uh here it's, it's more of a just underlying feeling buzz in your mind that constantly goes yeah. on and you add a little bit it's like um you know a constant drop that eventually is going to mm-hmm. create a little crater you know um it's very interesting. So yeah, I'm enjoying the process. Hopefully, it's gonna be. I know. When, when, but who knows? Well, that's and that's something that we talked about. That it was interesting it, uh, what you had said about the fact that, you know, with what is happening, what is you know the future or the you know, when when this will somewhat pass because it seems like it's gonna drag for a long time of filmmaking. Like how, how is it all gonna come back? and how you know a film so many films it's all about huge crews and he you know and and so many people together in close proximities and here we cannot do that so what's going to happen yeah what we i mean you had some interesting ideas about that i'd love for you to start on that and then i uh yeah i mean what we talked about i think is there's probably two things that are going to happen. So we have the industry yeah, on exactly. one end, which is huge Hollywood productions and et cetera, et cetera. So, and then on the other end, uh, indie films. So, uh, and then, okay. And then commercials in between, right? So uh, I think Hollywood is, is not going to die, uh, definitely. But first of mm-hmm. all, the way we consume films is going to change. So, I mean, movie theater, I don't see them, you know, thriving. Um, so I don't know how, what's going to happen but I mean, obviously at home and, yeah i love uh, the idea of drive-ins we didn't talk about that i think like it could be bring back that the drive-ins be, yeah for amazing. sure or, or a version be, of that in cities that sure maybe people walk of some kind of you know <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah for sure they will be brought back and then um yeah. but in terms of the of the of the industry so i think the hollywood big guys they will be able to uh, you know they will have to create standard protocols for everything uh, which will be put in place and will make productions more expensive because it's going to be a pain in the ass but you know if they want to shoot some superhero movie they will still be able to shoot it but they will have a lot of um, elements that will have to be in place and this is going to cost more money and so as a result I think 
it, it will further uh, limit the en entrepreneurial kind of uh, uh, visionary spirit of betting on things that are not guaranteed mm -hmm. yeah. to be a box office success, right? So because everything is going to cost more, they will be, okay, we'll spend this money, but just for the superhero and et cetera, et cetera. That's, you know, a, a worst case scenario, but I do think it's going to have an impact. But on the other end, the indie films, um, they usually are able to do things with less. So they will have, uh, it's kind of a, the, the other side of the metal. Mm -hmm. They will have to do it even with less, 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 which is not bad because if you are, um, uh, you know, uh, fa uh, fast and um, nimble and you're able to uh, put together something with uh, not a lot of resources, okay. I think this is going to go to your advantage because on one end, you're going to have super mega Hollywood protocol. On the other end, it's just going to be, guys, we yeah. were supposed to be 10, we got to be five, but let's make it happen. And I think if you're nimble enough, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Same thing. I own a production company, you know, we produce commercial stuff, same thing for, for you know, but my company is non-union, a boutique company, I think is the same, like big production companies that produce commercials for, you know, big clients will have to have a whole sort of protocols in place. Same for the small ones. But, you know, if you're, if you're savvy and resourceful, I think it's going to help because there's a lot of clients that are not going to have all the money in the world to spend, but they're just going to need some content. So if, if you can do it nimble, have the protocols in place, but, uh, you know, in an efficient way, then I think you're going to be fine. It's it's kind of early to say, though, so I don't know. No, I mean, I, you know, I think what it's definitely, think? I think there's so many unknowns that it's hard to fully imagine for me. I think, you know, as they say, take it one day at a time, which is such a hard way to live, because I feel like I'm so used to just looking and planning for a, a close future. And right now we just can't. Um, but I hope there's some, you know, good that comes to all this creatively. I do think, you know, the conversation that's been had at festivals about, you know, the film that isn't in the theater cannot be at the festival, you know, it can, there was that whole discussion. I mean, that's gonna all change. It's gonna have to, you know, the the, plat the home platform for uh, watching films is, is now the biggest thing you can be on because that's where everyone is, is the only place that people can watch it. So I think it's oh, gonna yeah. change that even more in the good and maybe the bad, because of course, watching a movie in a movie theater as, you know, huge film fan is the ultimate way to see them. Um, but I love the idea that perhaps, you know, cutting, having to trim the fat off of things, like realizing how can things be made in more minimal ways in and the benefit of that and, and having to do that in this situation, but the good that could come from that. I mean, I think it's interesting because I've worked in, you know, on, on crews, on, you know, big commercial crews that are like, you know, we're 80 people on a set. And then, but I so often work and truthfully, I much prefer with my crew of seven, eight people. And it's really my family. And we are, you know, we continue each other's sentences. And that for me creatively is the strongest way to work. But, you know, you, I couldn't do that on a union set. But I wonder if they're going to have to change that to be able to do these smaller teams because of the situation. And, and I think those smaller teams can achieve as much as those bigger ones can in just a different way. And, and I am excited at that because I do 
ultimately I realized what you can, you know, achieve with those bigger crews and, and for certain special facts or things. But with that smaller one, the creativity and the intimacy can be so much stronger. And, and I'm excited about that. So in that way, if that is kind of, as you kind of brought up the future or the near future of how films can keep going and that, that makes me happy because I think um, there's a lot there. You know, I think, you know, the film industry in so many ways is all about throwing so much money at things. And I think that's going to have to change. Um, and I hope that does in the good. Yeah, especially we have the technology now that allows you to, yeah. you know, do great stuff with, with, uh, with, with less. Unless no, of you're, course. Again, you're of course, that's studio a different and you can thing. afford like super yeah. mega everything, you know, and that is fine. Um, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that will be our wonderful future. You know, the best would be that is, everyone basically should do yes. like the Italians do. No? <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> even now during, uh, and I say that because we didn't talk about it, but uh, I mean, obviously, uh, our most obvious yeah. connection is that we're both Italians. And uh, I mean, you can hear it from me. <laughs> you cannot what are you saying? I'm just kidding. Uh, accent I can't even do a good Italian accent. It's horrible. And, <laughs> no, you should but be I ashamed. You should have a little bit. Italian, <laughs> no, it's Grazie. true. Um, no, so I mean, how beautiful was that? Um, you know, the reaction they had during during these times, I think. Now we were talking a bit businessy about the industry and this and that, but I think also it's important to keep uh, inside the emotional, uh, the emotional reaction we can all have. And I think Italy, once again, showed a very nice side to, to it, you know, when people were uh, dancing on the balconies or, or just being so supportive of each other. And it really, it really warmed my heart because I was here in the US and it became, you know, international news, all these people just singing to each other from balconies. And it just, mm -hmm. I just thought only in Italy, this could happen. It's so nice. I know it happened in China as well, but you know, it, it was some, some sort of a, it was different in a way. Um, and obviously it's happening all over the world, but because I'm Italian, I was so touched. And so basically, I mean, I no, I mean, the Italians country. are amazing. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful for having that side. I mean, I think, to be able to just look at life no matter how hard things are and they had it hard and it was so intense and you know talking to a lot of my family that's still there you know you heard how tragic it was but then to have all this joy and you know they still want to live life to the fullest even through all the badness that also really touched a special place you know in my heart and made me very proud of being italian um and, you know, it's helped me through all of this here as well. You know, it, it's really kind of, we should all learn from that um, in general in life, not just through such crazy hard situations. So yes, Viva l'Italia. <laughs> I think, Viva l'Italia. I think we should close in this beat. <laughs> Viva l'Italia. Thank you, Istanbul 74. You created a new penthouse, verbal communication. Uh,